Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, hello, and welcome to Mapping the College Audition a podcast where we explore the landscape of the college theater world and try to demystify this daunting audition process. I'm your host, Charlie Murphy, director of MTCA, that's Musical Theater College Auditions, and today we've got Danny Loftus-George from Norwalk Conservatory on the show. Uh, Danny has been a really successful innovator in this space. He's the founder of Growing Studio and Link before Norwalk, and I believe this is the first conservatory-style training program that is not a full four-year college experience that we've had on the show which I'm just going to say is a totally legitimate approach to training and preparation for the business. I think the closest example we've had so far would be a school like Barcelona, which is a three-year degree-granting program. Again, three years being very normal in the European model. I will say I have in some ways been consciously underrepresenting these programs as the majority of our MTCA students, and let's be honest, the majority of our MTCA parents, really are focused on a four-year degree-granting program. And I personally am a big fan of a full four-year college education and a full four-year college experience. We like a degree here at MTCA. That said, the reason I'm a fan of this is not because I don't think it's possible to get excellent artistic training packed into less than four years. If I thought that, then I would have to think that some of these great BFA liberal arts programs where you're supplementing your artistic classes with academics were also lacking, as when you compare the time allotted to artistic classwork in a four-year program at some of those schools, it would end up being very similar to the time allotted to artistic classes in a two-year program like Norwalk. And just to say, we'll be having more of these programs on the podcast. It was not my intention to wait this long, particularly, to have one on, um, for sure. So for those of you who know you only want four-year bachelor's programs, these will be episodes you can skip. Go re-listen to some of our wonderful artist episodes for this week or catch up on your second favorite podcast. Uh, but for some of our students, these programs really might be a great fit in that they're both cost-effective and time-effective with years being spent in school. Some people really want to get into the business at 20 or get into the business at 21. Um, and given that they are a certain amount of specialization, which might be exactly what some of those students want, perhaps they're not as interested in the academic side of things. So some of those programs um, may grant uh, an associate's degree like normal Rock, which we'll chat about, or some only a certificate. Um, there's all these different paths that these may take. So all of this to say, we know it is for each of our families to map out their own unique paths in this college edition experience. And I know our MTCA students have unique lists that range from the very narrow conservatory only to the very wide spectrum of conservatory, liberal arts, BFA, and non-audition programs. And for some of our families, programs like this will never be an option given a parental or student requirement to have a four-year degree. But I would be naive to the realities of the business if I didn't offer you a smart perspective that someone like Danny brings to his understanding of the business. As you've heard from all of our artist guests, we have some wonderful four-year institutions represented, but we also have artists who never went to school or dropped out after a few semesters. For success in this unique business, a full four-year degree is certainly not a prerequisite, even if in general it can be a good predictor of a positive net expected value in the broader world. Well, there you go. Basically a takeaway before the episode begins. A prologue, one might say. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, As for me, things are wonderful here. We had a great MTCA weekend last week with our juniors attending Junior Weekend and our seniors rocking amok one floor above each other in Pearl Studios. Um, I'm about to head out to San Diego in a few days for our West Coast mock and then fly back to New York City for our private auditions. It is a full December, as it often is at MTCA. And in the midst of all this, in the midst of our holiday cheer, our darling Solvay is about to make her big screen debut in Waitress, where she plays Sarah Bareilles' baby. If you don't know the musical, first shame on you. Go watch the musical and come back. But uh, Solvay truly steals the show with her performance, playing a newborn at the ripe old age of five weeks old. 
I mean, the range it takes to pull this off. That would be like me playing a convincing one-year-old. If I could really make you think I'm a one-year-old, that's the same as what Solvay pulls off in this performance, you know, from a percentage of life perspective. Um, but it really is a sweet, sweet musical, a really great production of it, if I do say so myself. Elizabeth and I got to enjoy the premiere a few months back and we really loved it. So check it out. There'll be a link in the show notes here um, to Waitress the Musical. You can look up like showtimes near you. I think it only plays for like a week and then they're trying to do some online version of it, but it'll be in the theaters for a week for these holidays so enjoy that if you want to see someone related to me oh and one more thing as i know you all enjoy interacting with the podcast and love our calls to action when we ask you to rate and review the show which come on let's do it rate and review the show we're also going to be doing a holiday mailbag episode at the end of the year. So now is a great time to get any questions you have for the pod at mailbag at mappingthecollegeaudition.com. That's mailbag at mappingthecollegeaudition.com if you have any questions you'd like to answer on the show. We'll also do a social media reach out for questions. But if you love an email, and I certainly love an email, hit us up there. Okay, that's it. Let's get to this great episode with Danny Loftus-George from Norwalk Conservatory. Well, we are so excited to be joined by Danny Loftus-George of the Norwalk Conservatory. Danny has a BFA in musical theater from Boston Conservatory. His New York City and tour credits include Sister Act, Alter Boys, Chicago, and he did the Burn Park Boys and 21 Jump Street on the West End. He's also the founder of The Growing Studio and currently the president at the Norwalk Conservatory. Probably president of. If I say president at, it feels a little bit more like you're, you're Joe Biden there. Um, Norwalk, it's of course located in Norwalk, Connecticut. Um, it's currently a two-year program that takes 16 students per class, at least that's what they aim to do, and also offers a degree in musical theater as well as musical theater dance. Welcome on the show, Danny. Was that as painful as you were worried it was going to be, me reading your bio? No, it's fine. It's all dandy. Um, what are the things, so just, I gave read that little uh, brief, you know, synopsis there, but what are the things that you would want our listeners to know just about sort of your journey to Norwalk? Of course, we can spend most of the time talking about the school, but in terms of who you are behind the scenes, uh, what would you want us to know about your journey to here? Oh, boy. Um, I've been uh, in higher ed for quite a while, but not in, in your normal fashion. So mm -hmm. I've been in curriculum development. Um, I've been producing college showcases, uh, you know, bringing in new professors, um, attaching the industry to schools. I, I tend to, I started working with a lot of schools who were having a hard time breaking into New York City with mm -hmm. alumni. Um, and I now do that for 47 colleges mm -hmm. uh, across the states. Um, and it led me to NOCO. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's, that's really my brief, very brief history of, of how I got here. And if we have time at the end, I want to talk a little bit about the growing studio. But just for those who don't know what that is, would you mind just giving us a little um, brief history of your founding it? Totally. Yeah. So I am, um, I was an actor, as we heard of all my amazing credits. <laughs> um, and uh, I was frustrated. I was in the ensemble, you know, I was a swing and a dance captain and I wanted to play principal roles. Um, and so I, I started the growing studio, God, it's gotta be over 10 years now, mm -hmm. um, so that I could work with some of the most influential artists and I could take classes for free is really uh -huh. how, it, how it started. It was never intended to be a business, um, but we hit, we hit big. Um, mm -hmm. So we, we ended up having 6,000 students in the city. Uh, and then we opened in London and Paris and Amsterdam at outreach in Singapore. We kind of just uh, exploded, which was really cool. Oh. I became a Forbes 30 under 30 finalist in education mm -hmm. from it. Um, and then I started the all in one conference, which was really cool. And mm -hmm. uh, it's all postgraduate education, essentially. Yep. Um, it's a way for actors to, um, to get in with creatives and work with them and learn from them. Um, it's really about learning from, you know, the experts in the field and, and then applying that. I love it. it, it it's something I definitely found. It's really tricky. You don't, I didn't graduate in New York City and go, okay, I know a great and easy way to continue my education, right? Especially if you've worked at a high level in school to go, I want more of that. Maybe I want to continue, you know, at least be able to check back in at a high level. It, I didn't walk into New York City knowing, ah, I see exactly how to do that. So I'm not surprised. Yeah, and and the, we found that was a huge issue. And that, that really was a huge reason why we led to no-go. Yeah. But so many of these schools, you end up going to school in a place that's very far away from New York City mm -hmm. and then going, hold on a second. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I I don't know what this casting director is like. Mm-hmm. Uh, this casting director hates when I move. <laughs> so yep. you just go in and, and don't get that feedback. So, uh, you know, our, our goal was really to to get people trained up to the kids that are going to New York City schools that yep. are that are uh, a different understanding of the business. Well, and you've already half answered my first question, which is so, you know, what is a Norwalk Conservatory student in terms of how many, I guess, of your students are 18, meaning they're, they're right out of high school diving in? How many are using it as sort of a postgrad? Because I actually didn't write, read it here. It's, it's, is it a certificate officially what they're getting? At the end? No, we actually just got it accredited, oh, uh, which is yeah. incredibly exciting. So yeah. we are now awarding uh, associate degrees. I love it. Um, so you, you're the associate of the arts. Associate the degree. We and how many of those those people are coming in either right at 18 or coming in, hey, I've, I've done a couple years of college or I'm already done a full four years of college and I'm adding on. How, how, what is the sort of makeup of uh, your classes? Oh, God, I'd say 95% are, are high school grads high school, yeah. coming right in from high school. Um, you know, and then maybe a, we have a couple of transfers. There's a lot of transfer applicants. Uh-huh. Um, but a couple of transfers here and there, but mostly all, um, all seniors in high school. And what does it mean to be a Norwalk student? So I guess, what what is your ideal, you know, if someone's listening to this and going, I don't know if I'm a kind of conservatory, non-four-year program student, what would you describe as like, this feels like the right kind of student for us? Yeah, I, I would say then we're not for you. <laughs> We've gotten really good at identifying who makes sense. Uh-huh. A lot of our kids have already been in Broadway shows. A lot of our kids have already led national tours. Um, you know, we kind of attract those kids that don't want to go halfway across the country because they want to keep auditioning. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they're in the business. They want to stay in the business. Um, we have kids that are doing eight shows a week in New York City and commuting every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so a, a very different type of student there. We bring out agents first semester, right? Our kids are are the whole goal is for them to get into the business as quickly as possible. This industry is obsessed with youth. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not shifting anytime soon. So if we can get you a Broadway show while you're in school, um, that sounds great. Yep. Uh, it's very different in philosophy there. We're really looking for kids that, uh, you know, need two years instead of four. Um, so uh, highly, highly, highly skilled students um, that are really ready to enter the industry. Mm-hmm. Um is our goal student. And I what guess. does that look like if you're commuting in and out or, or if you book a Broadway show and you may be like, I don't know if I can finish this semester. How does that work with sort of um, how you would work with the student in that case? Yeah, totally. So we, we have a whole plan built in. Uh, it's really a case by case basis. But, you know, we have a, a students doing it right now where we work with them virtually, you know, in case they have to miss certain classes. Mm-hmm. Rehearsal process is always the toughest, you know, thing. But once you're running, you know, besides the Wednesday matinee, mm-hmm. you know, you're usually good. Sometimes, you know, Thursday understudy. But, um, you know, they, they don't really miss very much class, if any at all. Uh, and then we make up those credits. We also have more credits or what's required to earn your degree. Uh-huh. Um, so right now, you know, for associates, it's 60 credits. We actually are at 80, 82 in the curriculum, uh-huh. which is a little nuts. Um, yep. But we work with each individual student to make sure they can complete. Well, talk to me through those basics of the two years. So obviously, it's going to be pretty intense two years. Imagining I'm not missing classes for my Broadway shows. What do my days look like? And what are the sort of semesters progress to look like in terms of the classes? That's such a great question. Um, We are uh, very heavy in television and film. Um, So Mm -hmm. every major is taking TV and film pretty much every semester. Uh, We share a building with Netflix, which is helpful. Um, Mm -hmm. So the voice are pretty amazing. Um, but if I'm doing like a, a typical day, we start every single morning at, at 9 a.m., 9.15 uh, with, a, with an intense physical warm-up. Um, and that's every major all years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're all together there. Uh, it's a way to help build community. Um, and it's it's intense. Uh, it's a very, very physical warm-up. It's a ropes course. We actually have a whole aerial silk rig as you well. Mean it's literally a ropes course? Oh, yes. yes. Like you're climbing Fantastic. 30 feet in the air. Fantastic. Okay. Um, yeah, there, there's a whole aerial silk. So like mm-hmm. you are learning to do aerial work while you're here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, push-ups, strength training, weights, uh, you name it. And then we mm-hmm. go into a vocal warm-up. Um, that's the first hour of every day. Um, past that, you might have an – we're very, very TV-heavy, very dance-heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, so ballet, jazz, tap, commercial hip-hop. Tumbling is required every semester hmm. for all majors. Um, empty dance ensemble. Uh, if you're not dancing, you're not booking is our thought. Um, so everybody dances nonstop hmm. here. Um, 
then you'll have empty audition technique, harmonies and vocal styles. Uh, then you'll probably rehearse for a show if you're not in one presently. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's, it's, it is a long day every day. And talk to me about the difference. You're sort of hinting at these already, the difference between the majors. I think I actually didn't read the TV and film performance major, but that might be how some other programs call an acting major, right? But you're going to say it's specifically to TV and film. What are the three musical theater, musical theater dance, and then the actors, the TV film people? How do those different majors separate out curriculum ones? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, so TV film is a completely different curriculum. Uh, you know, instead of tumbling, they take tumbling that's more based on stunt work. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. They also take acting for the camera. Uh, and then some at, at the highest level, they take Meisner. They take acting for commercials. They're taking animation voiceover, uh, mm-hmm. audiobook voiceover commercial voiceover. So uh, a little different there. Everyone's taking business skills. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a couple of ed's, but we tend to try to push them towards the art forms or history classes, history of television and Mm -hmm. film. Um, For musical theater, uh, obviously that curriculum is is very similar to empty dance, but I would just say empty dance has quite a bit more dance. Uh Um, And it's, it's much harder uh, in terms of level. So there are assessments at the beginning, um, but the level of dance is just, we, we, we are looking for unbelievable dancers yeah. for that major. Yep. Um, it's and the most important. Is there stuff you're getting as a musical theater major that you don't get as a musical theater dance, or are you just getting more credits as a musical theater dance major? Um, you, as a musical theater dance major, I think you get slightly less acting classes mm-hmm. um, and you take more dance classes. Mm-hmm. I would say that's the biggest variable. Totally makes sense. Um, and then how does that work with like shows and stuff? How do they, the three disciplines overlap or interact? I mean, are you auditioning for whatever you want if you're anything? A hundred percent. We actually just did uh, Spring Awakening. We had TV film majors mm-hmm. and uh, music theater dance majors in, um, in the show. Yep. And you mentioned a little bit. So in terms of obviously a conservatory means most of the time and most of the work is going to be really in the, the arts of it all. What are the other... Um, you know, gen ed style classes and what does that look like? You know, maybe especially with a parent who's going up trying to support my kid, they, they say they want this, but are they getting anything that's not musical theater? What, you know, what does that look like? Yeah, so it was a big goal for us to, to try to get credits that are transferable to other institutions. So if a student wants to get a bachelor's in the future, they only have to do two years. That mm-hmm. was really the goal. And obviously that is up to the institution. It's not our choice. Right. Um, but we did everything in our power to see if we could make that happen. So um, history of television and film, our science elective, our science course is, is neuroscience because um, there's so much to do with the brain and understanding humans. Mm-hmm. Um, humanities course is uh, psychology. Um, so there are a good handful of gen eds um, mm-hmm. within the program, but they really tend to try to be based around the art form mm-hmm. or have use of an artist. Yep. Um, most of our kids coming in again are are uh, know that they want to be on Broadway. That is the goal, and yep. we've um, we've done a pretty damn good job in in the past. You know, putting kids into Broadway shows. Yep. Um, that's a little bit of the history of the institution. You know, we started as the Link program. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we expanded, obviously, to become a two-year college. Yep. And talking about that, so what is my, like, college experience? I mean, obviously, again, conservatory tends to mean you're spending a lot of time doing the art of it all. But um, what, you know, from a campus perspective, from, like, the, the community perspective, what am I getting from the college experience of Norwalk? Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. And it's, you know, we <laughs> it's not something we planned for. You know, we never went, hey, what's the college experience? Mm-hmm. We really went, hey, how can we get these kids on Broadway? Mm-hmm. Um, how can we get these kids a television show? Um, I've just been at so many schools where, you know, there's a lack of opportunity for students. And after you graduate, what do you do? And I think parents send their kids to college um, to get a great paying job afterwards. So that's mm-hmm. always been the focus. But we have a pretty robust campus life here, um, surprisingly, I think, to us, because it wasn't planned. Mm-hmm. Um, stories are on campus. Um, we're in a, a huge arts town. So there's a train station on campus, and it takes you 45 minutes to get into Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so very, 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 very easy. Um, uh, most kids are doing open mics here. They're participating in – some kids are rowing. Um, you know, Monday night football is huge here, bizarrely. Um, so there's quite a robust uh, campus life here. Very cool. Um, and you've talked a lot about already sort of the ways you you launch your students into the business. But let's just let's just talk about what does that literally mean in terms of, you know, at what point are we starting to interact with agents and managers and casting directors and sort of preparing for the post uh, grad world? Week two. Week two. Week two uh, of your first semester. Yeah. yeah. Showcase starts when you get here. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So for us, it's yes, it's helpful to go, hey, let's get you signed and get you in the room. But it's also helpful for for you know people in the industry that have worked it forever that I trust to go, hey, this person needs to do this, this, and this, and this. Mm-hmm. So then we go of a, a more, much more tailored approach versus mm-hmm. graduating after four years and going. Now what do I do? Mm-hmm. Right, I, just, I, I couldn't get an agent, or I got an agent, but there's no feedback. You just don't know. Instead, we go. Let's bring in the people that are making decisions now and helping us to guide the students mm-hmm. so that they can find success when they graduate or before. That's really cool. So let me sort of parrot that back. You're saying the agents and managers themselves may be saying, "I love this student. I need them to work on." This part of their voice, this part of their acting, this part of their dance, and then that's going to be a focus of the semester for them to go. All right, maybe either in order to sign or in order for this manager or agent to be more excited about my student, they're going to do X, Y, and Z. Very much so. About a third of our kids are already signed with representation. I will say that is unique. I mean, that is certainly not not something you hear from a lot of colleges that they're getting that kind of level of interaction with um, industry representatives. That's very no, cool. I, you know, I'm, I'm just transparent, and and ultimately, college is a business. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, we're not profit institution like everyone else um well, not everyone else but many of us mm-hmm. um but I, we're less concerned with tuition dependency and more concerned with getting the kids work mm-hmm. um that, that's where i'm at i love it um well let's talk about basically i know you you, you don't mean to have every single data point in front of you but do you have a basic sense of where your students come from so where in the country and around the world your students come from and then where they end up in terms of how many end up in new york do any go to LA, Chicago, other place in the country? Sort of where do they come from and where do they end up? Totally. So um, I have one kid from Connecticut, which mm-hmm. is crazy. Uh, the rest of our students come from California, Florida, Georgia, Texas, mm-hmm. Kentucky, North Carolina, Ohio, uh, pick a state, mm-hmm. um, which is where our kids end up. Uh at the moment, they're all ending up in New York City. I haven't really heard of anyone going out to LA or Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um very New York focused school. Um, This is only year, this is going to be year six for us. Um, But it's the first year we've offered the associate's degree. And and as a two year program, we started as the link program, which Mm -hmm. is a much shorter program Mm -hmm. um, and really existed for kids that were at other schools or looking to transfer or or leaving school. Yep, totally. Um, And you mentioned already tuition dependency. So let's just talk about cost. Um, our crack research team has 19.5 per semester. You know, how does that work in terms of, you know, are most of your students paying nearly that? Are most of your students on some sort of scholarship? How do scholarships work? If so, let's just talk about like what the cost of it all adds up to. Totally. It depends on the kid. For us, we don't care what the grades are, right? GPA mm-hmm. is not a big deal for us. You have to have a 2.0. That's expected. Yeah. Um, you need to graduate high school. But otherwise, uh, we, we could care less what your grades are. Um, for us, uh, scholarships are really based off of uh, what we call merit is talent. Mm-hmm. Um, so talent, merit-based, uh, as well as need-based scholarships. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it, it really depends on the student. Uh, it ranges, you know, you might be awarded a couple thousand dollars to a full scholarship. Mm-hmm. Uh, we really range um, depending on the kid. It always tends to be hard to find. Yeah. So for us, it's very hard to find male dancers that are at the level that we need. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, you could typically expect if you're an unbelievable male dancer and sing, you're going to get some type of scholarship offer from mm-hmm. the institution. Mm-hmm. But and you said that's, they're, they're going to be talent-based and need-based, but obviously not academic on your end. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely, that's um, right. I love to just chat, end this section with the, you know, as you're in year six of, you know, pe- you saying yes to people and people saying yes to you. Um, why do you find students either sign on the dotted line and say, yes, this is why Norwalk is perfect for me. And then why do you find students will sometimes go, you know what, I'm going to go to this other college. It wasn't quite um, what I was looking for. Well, why did they say yes and why did they say no? That's a great question. Um, there's two reasons. One is this program started as uh, a nomination only program. Mm -hmm. So you couldn't apply to our school. Um, The only way for for you to be accepted or even know about the school was for us to find you. Mm -hmm. Um, And that came from recommendations from casting directors, recommendations from talent agents, uh, associate directors on Broadway, um, Instagram, TikTok, you name it. Um, But we would have to find you uh, in order for it to happen. Last year that changed and we opened up applications for the first time. That was wild. But I think because of that, you know, the whole, everyone in the industry knows who we are, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, and they've been recruiting from us directly for forever. Um, but the world doesn't. And I think, um, 
you know, that's something we're playing catch up on there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we kind of preferred that. <laughs> so we weren't going through, you know, the 1800 applications we already uh-huh. have, which is like, oh my God, it's uh-huh. November. Um, After this podcast, so, it's going to triple. I'm telling you, Danny, watch out. <laughs> it's crazy. And it's, yeah. you know, that's hard. Um, but I think, you know, that's that's a huge reason. Notoriety. People don't realize it. And because we're on a bachelor's, we're not listed on any site. I uh-huh. think we have more kids on Broadway than any other institution. And, you know, you're not going to find us on a Playbill uh-huh. list, which is because I worked for Playbill. But here we are. Um, <laughs> so, you know, there's a lot of that. And I think the other really big thing is that, some kids uh, need a four year. Yeah. You know, a lot of times I see kids that are really talented, but they're I'm not able to get them a Broadway show in two years, uh-huh. and it's going to take a lot longer to get them where they need to be. Um, and that's not us. You yeah. know that that that's not who we are. That's not what we do best. Um, and you can finish, you know, typically somewhere, but again, it's it, it doesn't make sense for us. I'd rather you get your associates. And then in 10 years, when you're done dancing on Broadway, go, mm-hmm. now I want to study this. Mm-hmm. And then once you do that course, complete your two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really the mentality there. Uh, but I think those are the two big hurdles. You know, we, we, we tend to lose a lot of students to the same schools. Um, but again, I think it's a timing thing and, and, and notoriety and whatnot. Totally. No, it makes sense. And it's, it's why I started with that, that first question of going, oh, what percentage are you? Because we've had so many students over the years do link. We have m- many students who go, you know, and, and how they used it. Cause it was always interesting of going, was it a sort of supplement to what their program wasn't giving them? Was it some people maybe who didn't end up at a more conservatory style training and wanted a little bit more of that? There's all, for all different reasons people would end up using it. But um, that's why we're so curious about um it is yeah, a specific we, we have, kind of college that you're going to. It's a specific path if you're doing the two years. Very specific. We, we have 65 in Broadway shows in the last wow. five years. Wow. Um, wow. So it's, the number is pretty staggering. Yep. You know, a tenth of Broadway right now is is from this program, wow. yeah. um, which is really exciting and cool, but it's like a little secret that nobody knows. Yep. So we, we know we're, we're getting there now. And, and obviously people are starting to hear about the school, which is nice, yep. um, but... I don't know if I prefer it or not. That's that's just the truth. You won't know until you're on the other side, which you're quickly becoming on the other side here. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah speaking yeah. of, we're going to be uh, take a short little break. On the other side of that break, we're going to talk a little bit about the auditioning process for Norwalk Conservatory. So back in a flash. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are back with Danny Loftus-George, and we're gonna talk a little bit about what makes a great audition for you. So in seeing all those applications, 1,800 we dropped the number of, um, what are you seeing that makes an audition stand out that makes you go, ooh, I want this kid, this is a Norwalk kid? Oh, totally depends on the major, um, you know, and, and and what we're looking for. For MT dance, uh, you, you have to come in with very strong dance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're like, I like to dance, that's great. But uh, it, it's got to be unbelievably strong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we typically say if you're not given three, four pirouettes from the beginning, it's you shouldn't take a look at empty dance. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of kids uh, from, you know, competition backgrounds, some kids from So You Think You Can Dance. Um, you know, they're dancer, 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 dancers. Yeah. Vocally there, um, we need a strong willingness to grow. Um, we don't need you to be an unbelievable um, vocalist yet, but we need you to be able to get there in two years. Mm-hmm. You know, the goal for Empty Dance is to be able to do a lot of commercial dance projects, uh, dance backup for artists, um, book a target commercial as a dancer, mm-hmm. and then be in the ensemble of a Broadway show. Mm-hmm. Um, but we want you to be strong enough that you can cover. That's mm-hmm. that's really the goal. Um, for Empty, I'm looking for weird. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I'm looking for stars. Uh, I think for us, Broadway is expected. So I don't really just want someone that's going to book a Broadway show. I want someone that's going to lead a Broadway show to, to originate in a Broadway show to win a Tony Award. And I'm looking for someone with those ambitions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that if you're unsure and maybe you want to do this, we're not the fit. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there are kids here who already have those credits, right? So, um, 
I'm really looking for interesting and different in terms of students. How are you picking up on the weird? So like, you know, is it what they wear as they walk in the room? Is it their material choice? Is it how they interview with you? Where are you sort of going, oh, you are weird and interesting. What are they doing that makes you go, ah, I want to know more about you. What's what's that thing that kind of showcases their weird? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, it really depends. Like a lot, sometimes it's song choice. Like there was this girl that came in and sang Try Me the other day. And I was mm-hmm. like, this is very interesting. And mm-hmm. why did you pick this? And it was more about her mentality behind why she picked it that made mm-hmm. so much sense, like made me interested. Mm-hmm. Um, there was another girl who came in and sang I Can Cook Too. And honestly, it was, it was just the best version of the song I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so smart. And the choice was so specific. And um, you know, she, she, it just made so much sense. Yeah. Um, you know, so th- that's what I would say. Either you have to fit it so perfectly, right? We think about your typical leading ladies, you know, your Danae Bentons or, um, your Laura Osnes, and they just, they make so much sense. It's exactly what you think of. And then you think of Bernadette or Kristen Chenoweth mm-hmm. or people who are, totally not what you would think of as, as leading lady, you know, four foot 11 and sounding a specific way, but mm-hmm. Chris is the leading lady. So mm-hmm. um, I think, you know, that, that's my, that, that's my, my spiel, I guess that that's who makes sense. And for everyone out there, it's not now you're not supposed to sing. I can cook too and try me. You're not all supposed to do that for Danny. Just anytime we make oh, a specific <laughs> song, just people are like, is that the good song? Like, wait, no, no, that's not what he's saying. No, not at all. And I love, listen, the, I, the overdone song thing too is a load of rubbish. Mm-hmm. I, I, come on, give it to me. That's why they're done the most, you know, because they're such good songs. Yep. Um, just sing it better than everybody else. We just, just our last episode we were talking about with Carrie Butler. She couldn't believe that when I said that. I was like, it um, is about the fit of, you know, like what you're doing with it much more than it's about, you know, the piece itself. She was like, but which ones shouldn't I do? <laughs> That's not how it yeah. goes, Carrie. I'm sorry. I wish we're like, no, not at all. That's totally not it. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about the places people would be auditioning for you or, or you will be auditioning um, students. So in terms of, you know, on the mix of on-campus auditions, online auditions, I know you're going to various different unifieds. Um, locations we ran at each other at Pittsburgh. Yes. Um, where are the, yeah. all the different places you'll be kind of seeing students and they'll be seeing you? Totally. So one big thing for us is that we will not pre-screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a huge requirement for me. I, I have a really hard time with pre-screens. I can't really get to know somebody. Um, mm-hmm. So all has to be live. Um, TV film, we do do Zoom. Uh, a little yeah. different there, but otherwise it's it's live. Um, and live meaning not online Zoom. You're saying live meaning in person. Oh yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, upcoming, we have we're, we're we work with a couple of arts high schools, so we'll be at Lisa, which is Long Island High School of the Arts, in December. Um, our next big thing I think we're doing is, I guess it's Chicago Unifieds. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll be at, at Chicago Unified auditions. Um, which is great. I don't think we're doing New York or LA. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we are obviously, you are able to apply and we are still seeking people, but we are finding the majority of our students through recommendations. Mm-hmm. Um, that is still where we're at. Uh, but Chicago Unifieds, we always find some unbelievably talented people. Uh, we typically will do PUA, um, Pittsburgh Unified Auditions, and CAP. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've done for the last two years. Um, who knows what the future will hold, but right now those, those are great. And if not there with, when you're getting your recommendations, I mean, and then you're coming to campus to do an audition. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Um, well, it, I mean, it does, it depends, right? So it, it, it's a student by student basis. Um, but, uh, most of the time we have to see people live. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're also going to Atlanta and Miami, um, at some point in 2024. Um, Love. we, we source quite a lot from, from Atlanta and Miami. And you mentioned, you know, the academics are obviously not a big factor for you. You said above a 2.0, you've got to graduate. That was very similar to my experience at Carnegie Mellon. They're like, you just have to make sure you don't, you know, get caught selling drugs in the bathroom. I was like, I'll do my best. It's not get caught. Um, but let's, uh, what do you look at in terms of an application? You know, um, are you asked to do any supplemental essays? Or is there anything else about the application that you care about other than the artistic work in the room? Zero percent. I, I, I don't. It you don't need a letter of recommendation. You don't need any. Of no, I don't care. I, I, I get them all the time. And mm-hmm. it doesn't, you know, we, I got Schuler Hensley and all crazy exciting names, but yeah. it, I, I don't care. Right. You know, um, it, that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't yeah. mean if you can hack it or not. Um, and my goal is, is to uh, have you succeed yeah. right in this art form. Um, if I think that it's going to happen, then usually when we swing, we don't miss. Mm. Um, so regardless of any of that, it's really about what you're doing in the room. 
I often say that about a letter of rec. Anytime I read a glowing one, I'm like, well, I'll be the judge of that. I'm going to see their work. I'll, I'll tell you if I think they're the most talented actor I've ever seen. Yeah. That's exactly it. You know, I, I, I have a long history of putting so many people in shows. And so I, I trust that more than someone's letter, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, You mentioned already, hey, I have trouble finding male identifying really strong dancers as sort of a specific subset. I just love to hear, like, how are you thinking about of the 16 ish that you're putting into a class? How are you thinking about questions like gender balance or racial balance or um, other factors that are, you know, filling out the cohort that you're putting together? How do you how do you think about that? And especially as you're saying yes to certain students and trying to, you know, fit it, fit the puzzle pieces together. How does that work in your brain? Um, so this year, I know for dance, we're only, I think we're only taking six women. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it is going to be a crazy year. Um, it really, it really depends on the year and what makes sense. But, you know, we're looking uh, to, to have a, a wildly diverse class. Um, for me, you know, I learned Spanish and English at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm from Miami, Florida. You know, my family is Cuban Lebanese. Um, I didn't grow up with means, so I typically uh, uh, find a lot of kids with similar backgrounds that I'm rooting for, mm-hmm. um, obviously, but uh, we, we have kids from really from all walks of life, um, and we just naturally find that balance. We don't have a quota right. ever. You know, It's not like I need 17 female Asian students. Like right. That's just not a, a thing here. Um, it's really about who's best. Yep. And what about... Who is- do you think about diversity of skill set in terms of like, I want a certain amount of really strong singers, really amazing actors in the musical theater program, or I need a certain amount of dancers? No, it's just the individual artists only. Yeah, you, you just have to be great because um, I, I could care a lot. Look, the school shows are the school shows and they're great, but I don't really care very much about that. You're not trying I, to get I, the quality of school show up. You're trying to get your class. No, I, who cares? Who cares? Yeah. We're in Norwalk. Yeah. You know, I, mean, I love Norwalk, but like, for me, it's you, we have to get you a great paying job. That's why mm-hmm. you go to school. Mm-hmm. So let's put all of our resources and everything into you finding success. I love it. So great. Well, I'd love to take a little step back and just talk about, you know, over the past six years, but really over the past over a decade of you sort of being in this industry and watching the changing nature of you know, growing studio link and then now Norwalk, you know, what are you seeing as the absence in some of the more traditional four-year conservators? So, you know, in terms of the the flexibility that you have, um, what are you noticing as, as going, well, this is what makes us different, or this is this is how maybe some of the impetus for you starting these, these programs and, and doing what is unconventional compared to, you know, the hundred-year conservatories that have existed for a long time. So I uh, just love to throw that to you. Like, what, what are, what have you learned in the experience and what are you, what are you sort of putting out there? Uh, the faculty here all working in the business. It wasn't 10 years ago. It wasn't five years ago. It wasn't 20 years ago. They're working in it now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a game changer. You know, I'm finding that a lot of kids will graduate school and have no knowledge of agencies whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And how could they? Because agents change like so the wind. Quickly. So quickly. Yeah. Yep. This agent moves to this office and now that office no longer has a relationship with this big uh-huh. casting office and they can't get you in the room. You know, or they pulled all the clients they wanted to pull. And then suddenly you're locked into a three-year contract with an agent who can't get you seen. Mm-hmm. So it's people don't understand the intricacies of representation and casting and production and what that looks like. And I feel like, you know, it's how could they when you're mm-hmm. um, halfway across the country and, and not presently in, in the industry? That's really what sets us apart. Everyone here is working in the business, mm-hmm. you know, from the choreographer of Funny Girl on Little Shop to you know, the head of McCorkle casting, you name it. The, mm-hmm. the faculty here are pretty exceptional. And um, we understand uh, how much the business shifts and, and our, our kids really do too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's different when you're going to a New York City-based school. I mean, you're going to auditions. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a huge process as far that I didn't mm-hmm. mention. Um, you're not allowed to audition at many institutions. Mm-hmm the exact opposite i expect you to get on that train go to new york city and go in for an audition let's Mm -hmm. figure out what's going on right like Mm -hmm. let's let's see what we need to shift what we need to fix what we need to grow and if you book it great let's make six figures while in school that Mm -hmm. sounds pretty good to me yep i love it well and what do you see in this sort of industry i mean you know it's ever changing we just got out of a strike as we're recording this um the weird broadway 
past couple of years of post pandemic, you know, but now it's like, it, it seems like kind of a new phase where now like, forget what the number is. Someone just told me it's like 17 new Broadway shows are coming next season. I was like, whoa, geez. Um, what do you sort of see? Where do you see this industry going? You know, this, the industry that they're graduating into, which I guess anyone listening now would be three years from now. How do you see it being different than it is currently in 2023? I think it's very easy. Um, I think people, you know, make it a whole thing, but ultimately it's about where sales are. <laughs> This is a business Mm -hmm. and uh, people forget that. So, you know, Broadway tends to go with the times. If the focus is on whatever in in the world is right now, that's where Broadway's heading, Um, right? Broadway is always trying to stay relevant and always try to appeal and always try to sell more tickets. Mm -hmm. this, This is that business, right? So obviously we see massive shifts happen, you know, on the globe, and then we see them, and especially in America, and then we see them represented on stage mm-hmm. um, within a year or two. That's typically how it's working mm-hmm. out. Um, after COVID, we see a lot of uh, escapism, right? We see a lot of people wanting happy musicals, um, you know, to, to enjoy that. That was definitely a big thing. I think there'll be a resurgence of tap, you know, hmm. pretty soon. We're already starting to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's typically how it trends. Uh, and so we're always training based on the future versus right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Broadway is Broadway. Um, it's just a street at the end of the day. Uh, but uh, it's always trying to sell tickets. So yeah. I think if you can get in the mindset of a producer as a performer, you're going to be wildly successful, mm-hmm. right? Like, they're, they're always looking at which artists are popular. Let's jukebox this. Let's reach this. If you're ever in production, all you hear is demographic, demographic, demographic. And I think the big issue is the demographic, um, you know, the three, the big three producers are finding that it's, uh, it's dying out, right? People are getting mm-hmm. to that age where the, the audience is literally dying. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to attract younger people, you know, you need younger material. You need shows with younger people in them. Mm-hmm. And so I think what people don't get is that, these shows are being commissioned, right? Shows about young people um, are are the new frontier because it's appealing to a different demographic to sell more tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the industry just seems to be getting younger. I love it. Um, all right, my last question for you is just um, toward the parents in the process. And maybe say especially, you know, a lot of our listeners who listen to this are also listening to all the four-year colleges. I would say this is too stereotypical, but maybe in general, more of the students are excited by the conservatory elements of some of these BFA programs. And the parents might be saying, oh, would it be great if you got a double major, if you got a minor, if I got more, you know, um, sort of backup education of it all. I just thought maybe talking to the parents, someone is in that situation, uh, you know, where the student goes, I'm gung-ho, I'm ready. And the parent goes, I don't know, is this too risky? What would you say to those parents who, who, who just feel like, I just want to make sure she has a backup plan. I just want to make sure she's okay. This is very specific to my institution, but I would say if you're getting in here, you don't need a backup plan. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's not, it doesn't make sense. Um, right. If, if you're accepted here, you're going to find work in the business. Now you can't guarantee anything right ever. Right. No, Danny um, guaranteed it. Okay. Minute number 42 in the podcast. We've got a Danny guaranteed. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you, you can never guarantee anything. Yeah. Um, but all you can guarantee is change. My dad used to say, um, but, uh, you know, there, there's no guarantee there, but if you're getting accepted to, I'd say there are probably two or three institutions, then the backup thing, what's, you don't really, it doesn't really make sense. Um, I will say that uh, backup plans are backup plans. Nobody wants to go with a backup. Mm-hmm. We certainly don't in the business, mm-hmm. right? Um, so your kid is going to be fine. Trust that you did your job as a parent, mm-hmm. right? And that nobody is checking degrees in this business Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know it's 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 not a thing um so i wouldn't really worry or stress too much there um and i know instantly people you know shut off and don't want to hear it but um know that school is not going anywhere Mm -hmm. colleges are not going anywhere so the opportunity for kids to go back to school, to finish their degree, to get a degree in something else um, is always going to be available to them. Um, that's awesome, Danny. Thank you. Uh, is there anything else uh, that people, any other places, I should say, where people can check out information on Norwalk? We have 
the Instagram here at the Norwalk Conservatory. Um, but do we like that social media? Do we like websites? What's the best way if people want to just um, follow along and get more info? Yeah, Instagram Instagram's awesome. Our website's norwalkconservatory.org. It's really helpful. Um, that's that's the easiest way. Um, you know, and we we are. Uh, we're not like most schools, right? We're, we're just arts. So, you know, you can always email admissions and say, hey, I'd love information or, hey, I'd love to schedule a call or, mm-hmm. or, or whatever. We're pretty open there. I love it. All right. Well, Danny, thank you so much for the time today. This was such a joy. Yeah, such a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hey, now, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Danny. I think he's really smart and articulate and fun and offers a really great perspective that's a bit different from some of what we've had on the show before. So I was really happy to have him on. Um, I already talked a lot in the intro about the nature of true conservatories, like non-universities versus BFA conservatories at universities versus BFA liberal arts schools versus BA liberal arts schools, blah, blah, blah. I won't bore you with more of my opinions of bachelor's versus associate's degrees as I don't have any true expertise in what extent beyond the arts world in terms of what is the value of a two-year or four-year degree. You can go listen to a different smart person tell you about what you might do with a BFA if you had to go back to school versus a certificate versus an associate's in this case and what that might mean for you individually given where you are in life. Um, But one thing I will talk about, which we touched on a bit in the interview, is this idea of leading from your strengths. Uh, Danny gave you his philosophy and Norwalk's philosophy in sort of accentuating your truest strong points of what it is to walk into a dance call as a true dancer or as an unbelievable singer, etc. And I think it's a really important perspective to have. You know, in some of the same ways, I really encourage you all to not get too wrapped up in the idea of quote unquote type in the college process. But then when we're talking to artist guests, I also don't want to pretend that it doesn't exist in the professional world to some extent, some idea of your personal brand or whatever word you want to use there. I also want to make sure I'm helping square the circle of some MTCA advice you may have heard from us with some of the challenges of the business itself, right? You've likely heard from us either in an initial consultation or at a webinar, run toward your weaknesses. And we do really encourage that, especially if there's an area of musical theater that really scares you. You are going to be evaluated in all three aspects, and the more confident showing you can make of yourself as a holistic artist, the better. This doesn't mean you need to be a quote-unquote triple threat by any means. We certainly don't like that word. Most people do have one or two of the skills that float above the others, but having a comfort level and a confidence in all of the disciplines of musical theater is really important at the college level where faculty may be looking at you and going, what will it be like to work with this person for four years? Right? Even if you're a really green actor, is there a hunger and an interest to learn? Can I see the potential of where you are in your work as opposed to just the discomfort of being forced to do classical text, right? Same thing as a dancer. Even if you have two left feet, like your favorite podcast host, you can show up with an attitude that is excited to execute what you can to the best of your ability, as opposed to being thrown by the speed of the combo and trying to hide in the back, which is another do it I say, not what I do kind of situation. So that's the advice that we give to musical theater hopefuls when we meet them, and we really mean it. But the flip side of that is when you start spec- specializing or honing in on a specific aspect of yourself as a performer that you think is your true strength and superpower, it really is individual to each student and is absolutely a conversation that is worth having and to strategically think about. If you are Josh Gad, for instance, Josh Gad is current star of Gutenberg the Musical, formerly of Book of Mormon Broadway fame, and my daughter's favorite part of Frozen, he plays Olaf. If he was spending all of his time in dance class and forcing himself to go to dance calls because he felt that was his weakest area of the business, he would not be doing himself a service. Hilarious and incredibly talented as he may be, he is unlikely to book his next Broadway show from a dance call. And I'll bet, though I didn't know Josh at the time, but I'll bet that Josh knew that about himself at 18 when he decided to attend Carnegie Mellon as an acting major, despite knowing he was an excellent singer and could absolutely have success in musical theater. For him, he was ready to hang up his dancing shoes from a performance expectation perspective. And it's worth noting, of course, we talked about this before, in the broader world, it's not like only musical theater majors can do musicals and only acting majors can can do Shakespeare. In the outside world, all they care about is your skill set for the specific role in that specific production. But my larger point, and I talked about this a bit in our Point Park episode many moons back, for those of you who want to scroll deep into your podcast cues to find the Point Park episode, is that decision of when to specialize in this way and focus more on your strength, and that that is a really tough decision. Uh, I believe in that episode I made the reference of like role players versus stars in the NBA. You know, it can be very useful to a team and ultimately to a producer if you can say, I know myself. 
I am truly excellent at this, but I'm not trying to do this other thing. I'm not particularly good at that. So maybe in the basketball world, I'm a great shooter and I'm great at defense. People always need people who are great shooters and good at defense, but I don't dribble or pass. I'm gonna leave that to other people. I'm gonna know my role. That can lead to really long NBA careers and really long Broadway careers if you're dancing in a Broadway show eight times a week. But it can also really cap your upside. If you're never gonna learn how to dribble, you're never gonna be an NBA star. And similarly, if you don't work on your singing ability, you're unlikely to become a Broadway star. Now, for some, that's perfectly okay. They know they wanna work, and they know their dance excellence is what's gonna book them a gig. Fantastic, and they may still have the goal on working on their singing and acting to the point that they're confident covering lead roles, but they don't feel like they need to extend beyond that. So for them, specializing on a school based on their strength might make a lot of sense, increasing their chance of working in this way as a dancer first, but still continuing to work somewhat, of course, on singing and acting. Just because you're specializing doesn't mean you're giving up all aspects of those other things. Whereas other students at 18 might continue to take this approach and work on their weaknesses if they think they could turn them into true strengths, right? If they already know they are an excellent dancer, but their true dream is to play Broadway leads, they might focus on an education that's really gonna work on their singing and acting ability at the highest levels because that's gonna maximize their upside as opposed to minimizing their risk of unemployment, which you're doing in the other example. I don't think there's one answer that works for all students. Some may begin that idea of honing in on their strengths as early as 18 in the choice of an acting major or in choosing a school like Norwalk where they're gonna zero in on a dance-heavy curriculum. And some might not make that decision until they're five years out of school. They might see what the business is interested in and what they're responding to them and then decide, oh, now I'm really gonna focus on this aspect because this is the specific place in the industry where I really think I'm gonna work and where maybe I really wanna work. You know, it's also worth noting, it's not really a one-time decision of when. You might hone in on a, on a strength for one period, like you're gonna take an intensive dance summer curriculum between your school years, and then expand outward the next year into a new area of growth. Like you, you take a three-week stage combat course, right? As your dream expands, you might opt for more new areas and also work on yourself as a holistic artist by seeing how one strength can buoy a weakness into a second strength. There isn't a one-size-fits-all with this question, but I do think having both the tool of shoring up your weaknesses and expanding your skill sets, as well as honing in on your strengths and making them razor sharp, those are both really helpful tools in your actor toolkit. Well, that's it, another episode of Mapping the College Edition, brought to you by the Razor Sharp production team of Megan Cordier and Kelly Prendergast. Rate us, review us, shout us out at Mapping the College Edition on Instagram, and check us out on our website for more information about MTCA. And as a reminder, for those of you who wanna get your questions in to our holiday mailbag episode, begin percolating on those now. The address is mailbag at mappingthecollegeedition.com. That's mailbag at mappingthecollegeedition.com. I won't spell it for you. Good luck. You can do your best and it will be in the show notes. To my young artists out there mapping their journeys, nor walk nor run to your nearest theaters to see Waitress, I suggest driving or public transportation. We'll see you next week. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.